welcome to Blooming Out, Indiana's only LGBTQ plus news and public affairs show featuring music, events, and interviews both local and global. From the WFHB studios in Bloomington, Indiana, this is Blooming Out. Good evening, and welcome to Blooming Out on WFHB. I'm Jeff Poling. And I'm Sarah Hedrick. Uh, on tonight's episode of Blooming Out, we will have your weekly LGBTQ plus news headlines and our featured music. But first, here in the studio today are members from Queer Talk. And joining us today are Chris Rowling, is that correct? Chris Railing. Chris Railing. Yep. Yes. All right. Great. And a uh, facilitator and recovery coach for the group and LB Lieb, who is also a facilitator. Uh, thank you so much for both of you to come to the studio today. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Welcome. Um, there is a lot going on um, with Queer Talk, and it's an understatement to say there's a lot going on in the world um, as we know it right now. But um, let's start out each of you or uh, maybe Chris you'd like to begin by explaining what Queer Talk is all about. Uh, well Queer Talk is um, a program of is a program of uh, Middle Way House. Um, it's a monthly discussion you know it's kind of a facilitated discussion for us to all get together. The idea is that we're um, we all have our own wisdom we bring some our own wisdom to the room and last year, Middle Way House uh, facilitated a series of um, discussions uh, called uh, Women Talk. And so this year, it's, uh, it's Queer Talk. And so um, uh, we have different topics, such as um, uh, different relationship styles, um, queer health, violence, um, transgender issues, just kind of across the board. It's an opportunity for us to get together and kind of hear our own voices. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and I under understand that it is very popular that you have a lot of people that, that are show up, showing up and, and coming to these, these meetings and these, these gatherings. Um, given the current uh, political um, and administration situation, are you expecting that to increase and are you kind of going with the flow on what is happening out there? Yeah, um, you know, because, uh, because queer um, taps into a long history of community-centered organizing um, and rejects this heterosexual and cisgender norms, um, this, this is really a time and a place for us to kind of come together. One of the things that we've got coming up next is um, we, in addition to our Wednesdays at 6.30, um, we are also, every once in a while, we're able to organize something on a Saturday. In November, on November 19th at 3 o'clock at Boxcar, um, that is uh, the day next to Transgender Remembrance Day. Um, so that's November 20th. Okay. So the event that we're having on um, uh, Saturday, November 19th at 3 at Boxcar is um, about the intersection of violence against all of us. What we know is that, uh, you know, in our community and around the world, transgender folks are among the most vulnerable um, uh, uh, targets of violence, and in particular, people of color who are transgender. And so that intersection is... Um, has been uh, displayed and um, more prevalent for those of us who are paying attention over this last year 
than um, than in a lot of time uh, in our history. Um, it's been around forever, um, but it's been um, in our media a little bit more in this past year. Sure. And so we wanted to take the opportunity um, uh, during this day of remembrance to bring together um, this intersection um, because it's so important. It, it is, and um, LB, do you have, um, would you like to comment on that? Um, yeah, so uh, I'm a transgender woman. Um, actually, my sort of anniversary is about like last week, but um, anyhow, um, I think that's really important. Um, and I, you know, the transgender community is pretty tight knit, well, pretty close as far as a community, it's how we communicate and stuff. and. Even just like recently, it seems like there's kind of um, maybe there's a correlation with elections and things like that. But there's definitely been an uptick in like violence towards us, and um, so I think that having that um, is really important. Um, creating spaces that we can feel safe in, um, and then a s sort of building that community is really important um, because because it, it is a very real thing, um, and often too it's like people talk about transitioning being hard and stuff and I think one of the hardest things is is sort of the it's sort of society and how it judges us and then the, the violence that happens to us and then you know then sort of family and stuff but like for us it's not necessarily the hardest thing it's it's sort of being out in society and oftentimes that results in violence I I just like to make the comment that um, that yes absolutely it, it to me it that is uh, that this is a, 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 a population of, of, um, of human beings who are, who are being targeted, um, who it, it has been, um, you know, if you want to use the term field day, you know, over the last several years, and it does seem to be getting worse, but it also, um, given the, the situation of what's going on out there, we're all being reminded that none of us are you know safe or none of us are uh, exempt from discrimination from hate um so i'm really glad that that you put this together and i i, I understand how important it is now um chris you were talking about um the location and just for us local um bloomingtonians um it is where? Um, it's again. at Boxcar Books, which is on um, uh, East 6th Street, uh, just east of the library. Okay. By, right. the, by the Runcible Spoon. Ah, there yes. you go. <laughs> oh, there the you go. landmarks, the landmark, right? Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> yep. Great. So um, so this is this has been going on for, for how long? Um, well, uh, like I said, Women Talk was last year, right? And uh, Queer Talk started in August of this year. Okay. So on Wednesdays, you kind of want to pay attention to our Facebook page, so you can kind of just you know look for Queer Talk. Okay. Um, uh, and in, it, on is Facebook, it, is it Queer Talk one word? Uh, um, if you're, we are organized. We are just organized enough so that some places it's two words, <laughs> and some places it's one word. That's okay. So, we um, can try both. Right? <laughs> right. Exactly. And you'll see Queer Talk in um, you know other cities and other places but you'll definitely be able to see the bloomington oriented places okay yeah Blo bloomington right. includes so that. um so queer talk for this event on the 19th is one word oh okay. um yeah and uh and um like i said that one's going to be at boxcar a lot of our events on the wednesday nights are at the library okay. but you know sometimes we can't get the library so we go back and forth between boxcar and the library sure 
Sure. Um, so uh, so I, I think one of the things I really want to kind of uh, address, you were talking about that, you know, that we all are more and more aware of, you know, violence in our communities. One of the things that a lot of folks don't realize is that percentage wise, um, the LGBTQ, you know, intersex uh, community is particularly vulnerable um, to sexual violence and domestic violence in almost every category of violence from bullying to suicide to intimate partner violence and sexual violence, we are most at risk, or we are more at risk than heterosexual and cisgender peers. Um, business as usual is failing us and as a community, and it has marginalized our population. Um, Middle Way House has, doesn't want to be a part of business as usual, and so that's why um, they're uh, sponsoring this, this series of talks. That's, that's impressive. Um, it, Middle Way House does so much for the community and um, it's, it's so needed at, at a, a point in time right now. Um, so uh, LB, um, how long have you been um, being part of Queer Talk? Have you, have you been attending Queer Talk? All right, yeah. Um, so what had happened was that um, I had sort of heard about Women Talk and then people were like, and I think I had come to a sort of natural conclusion and people were like, you know, stay in touch or whatever we're going to do this thing called queer talk and i was sort of in the process of coming out at that point in time and then um so evelyn smith has been pretty instrumental in like in helping um and she's uh, affiliated with middleway house has been really instrumental along with a, a huge a, a group of other people but um she had reached out to me or whatever and i had gone to some of the facilitator meetings and i was like thought this was a pretty neat thing and i was also kind of um I'm in sort of the human services program at Ivy Tech, and I thought, well, this would be a real good fit for me. And sort of, I had never facilitated before, so it was a good opportunity to sort of like get out of my comfort zone. But um, but I've gone to all of them, and it's been really amazing. Um, I mean, the depth that we get to, I think sometimes, and the emotional responses I see from people are like, are amazing, especially like people, if you're sort of dealing with um, social anxiety issues and stuff, that people have come out and felt very comfortable in that sort of space and been able to share and stuff, which is which is pretty amazing. It's been a really powerful experience. One of the, the ways that we really set it up and the structure of it is really just to, you know, kind of ask critical or ask questions and kind of let, you know, let things go around. And sometimes, you know, conversations like that can kind of go off into other directions, but they've stayed really focused and really deep. And um, it's been really powerful to see the aha moments throughout the room and throughout the evening that, um, that you know, we've all kind of walked in there kind of, you know, for many of us thinking, oh, okay, well, this is a topic I know about. You know, other folks feel very new. We kind of have the whole range of, of, uh, of experiences in there. And, and I, universally, I think, um, you know, we walk out with something more than we walked in with. Isn't that wonderful when you, when you uh, do walk into a, a, a group and you, you, you just have no idea what, um, what other people have done and, you know, walking in their shoes, what, what it's like, and you get, you, you get exposed to that, and that's... That's a wonderful thing. Mm -hmm. And the group's been a, it, it also has been a really wide range across orientations and gender identities as well. So that's been a really great piece of that. That's the, awesome. the process, yeah. Quite Im important to have the, the full tapestry of, of our community. So, um, LB. Yeah. Uh, 
what else would you like to talk about? Well, I think that I just kind of wanted to touch on, you know, what Chris was saying as far as experiences and stuff. And I think that's, um, I was just amazed by kind of how our conversations would go or our sharing would go um, at Queer Talk. Um, it's just the sort of the, the level and the depth of the group experiences is pretty amazing. And I think oftentimes we don't give ourselves credit with like that of sort of validating our experiences and saying that they're worthwhile. And then you sort of have these sort of synergistic moments with talking with people and they're like, wow, I really, I really get what you're saying. Um, or wow, I, I appreciate your experiences and I see it sort of, sort of, you know, coming at it from a different angle as a trans woman or whatever, my experiences versus somebody else, you know, maybe somebody who identifies as a trans man, their experiences and stuff. And sometimes we like have this, of course we have a lot of common ground, but it's just been really amazing. And one of the, I think the other interesting parts is because it's been um, designed to address the problems that make us more um, vulnerable, um, we've also focused, you know, it's, it's helped us bring out and strengthen our skills, you know, to recognize, to avoid, to, um, to stand up and speak out, both individually and as a community. And um, uh, that's been a really transformative process to watch it happen for about, I don't know, anywhere from... Uh, you know, 15 or 20 people, you know. Okay, once, yeah. I, I was going to ask yeah. what, what the turnout has been so far. Yeah. and Yeah, and that's been kind of interesting, too, because having gone to all the sessions and stuff, I do see, like, people who have consistently come, um, but I've also seen kind of um, sometimes we just, like, there's still 20 people there, but they're completely different faces, which has been pretty pretty interesting because, like, I sort of talked about community earlier or whatever, and it's like, um there's people out there that I hadn't, you know, I don't really see as part of the community. Like, I haven't physically seen them, and it's like, oh, wow, there's sure. so many more people out there that I had no idea of. Yeah, the, um, I, I find that interesting in, in um, well, in, in particular in Bloomington. Um, you know, square, uh, you know, the, the, the actual size of, of the town, um, Fairly small. You would from, think, from right, know, right, yeah, Sarah. You would, you would think town. you would be seeing the same people all yeah. the time when you when you go to these functions. You don't. You, I constantly run into people that I've never met before, and as you said, LB, you know, that, that come from a, a different perspective or. Right, and I think that's really important too because I think that queer talk sort of, um, you know, we've been trying to establish it, you know, as it being at the one location, which is at the library, and we've had to kind of move it a little bit, but. Um, that I think that people that can kind of look on their own and see it's happening and sort of show up. Um, and I think it sort of underscores the other aspect as, as far as my personal experiences, like um, what queer spaces do we have? And there's not mm -hmm. as many as there were before. You know, I mean, I guess you could sort of say that, you know, like going to the back door or something, I identify that as sort of a queer space. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of people that um, the noise might be something that, and, and it's not really a space to share, like sure. we're sharing at Queer Talk, but you know, or Rachel's Cafe used to be one, and that's, you know, not there anymore. And so, and I've had conversations with people about having those spaces or something, but I think right. at least right now, in sort of a transitory way, we have Queer Talk, which is, I think has been really important. And, and, and that's, that's setting it up so that, I mean, that's, that's getting the ground laid so that, I mean, once you have the, the people, the interest, the, you know, then you then then you eventually these spaces open like we've had the we've had the pleasure and the um, um, 
we've been very fortunate to, like you said, when we had Rachel's Cafe. Right. Um, these places do change, and um, but once you get a group with an an interest, um, looking for a venue, the venues. They they show up. They they oh they yeah right like feel the dreams or whatever build or <laughs> what's well, sort of the opposite you know create we right. have the need and maybe eventually maybe you know that sort of space will happen or whatever but I, yeah I think it's maybe very possible so. and I think you know that's exactly what's um, you know the one of the things that I've learned over um, you know kind of decades of doing community organizing one of the things that kind of some of my elders uh, brought to you know to our attention um, I spent time in Atlanta and. Uh, Seattle was that um, when we uh, do the work, when we stay connected, and when an op- that means that when an opportunity comes along, then we'll be ready to respond. And I think that because we've been doing this kind of work in Bloomington, um, now that we have this national level opportunity to respond on all kinds of levels, that um, that 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 um, all of that work that's been done over the past decades. Um, not just this last year, not this last decade, but the history of Bloomington is so deep. Even though, um, you know, many of us, uh, I've only been here for, I grew up in Indiana, but I've only been back in, in Bloomington for six years. Um, but that history is so deep. Sure. And, and once we learn and recognize um, the context that we're in, and that context is a combination of that deep history that we don't know about, the um, our current local situation which is you know for us in this queer talk um you know building interpersonal connections um you know learning about nonviolent resolution you know knowing what our own experiences are right building on those experiences and then putting it in the context of our history and the context of our national situation and uh, that out of that comes real power and i think because there's been not just queer talk and not just the queer community middle way house um, you know, there's there's an emerging movement. One of the other movements that I'm involved with is the the harm reduction movement and the Indiana Recovery Alliance, which oh. is the syringe exchange. Right, you know, right. The, there's a Black Lives Matter that's emerging in Bloomington. I mean, all kinds of stuff. And I think that that um, that's that's here because there's been intentional organizing. Right. I I couldn't agree more. And um and. Chris and LB, we're going to talk more about this. We're going to take a short music break right now and get back into this and also discussing um, everything else about what is going on right now in with our current um, situation in this country. So uh, I've enjoyed it very much, and we're going to be back with um, Chris and LB and continue the conversation. Um, from out, um, Haley Kiyoko, the L.A.-born actress and singer, just released the video for her new song, One Bad Night, and it'll have you in tears. Kyoko, best known for her viral music and same-sex anthem, Girls Like Girls, is no newcomer when it comes to pushing the envelope. Her latest video, One Bad Night, features trans activist and YouTube personality, Erin Armstrong. In the video, Armstrong can be seen walking the streets of LA late at night as she suffers all kinds of harassment from passers-by. The um, song and video then takes a sudden turn as an unexpected hero comes to her rescue. You'll have to see it, but in, in the meantime, you can listen to it. Here's Haley Kiyoko with One Bad Night. Tap 
And you're back um, on WFHB at Blooming Out, and you just listened to Haley Kyoko's One Bad Night. Um, we're back here this evening with our guests, um, Chris Railing and um, LB uh, Lieb, and we're talking about their group, Queer Talk, and it's it, it's so important right now that there is the conversation, there are the, the safe spaces, there are people coming together that can share and um, whatever, you know, commiserate uh, in this point, whatever. So, so what does make Queer Talk, um, Chris, different um, from, from? Just, from just a discussion group? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, and, and a lot of other things. I mean, I think one of the things that's emerging again in Bloomington is this community-based discussions, community-based organizations, that instead of working from the top down, um, which is one style and one model that's been really effective for um, a lot of organizations, um, but there's another style of organizing that's from the bottom up, this community-based, that's based in our own experience, it's based in our culture, it's based in what's going on around us. And there's an emerging number of organizations in Bloomington and uh, around the country, around the world, uh, Arab Spring, um, uh, the, um, uh, Wall, uh, the Wall Street. The, um, oh, Occupy Occupy, yeah. Occupy Wall Street sure. movement. All of those um, are, you know, kind of springing up out of a history of decentralized organizing. And when we have decentralized organizing, you have an opportunity for a movement. When you have an opportunity for a movement, you don't have to rely on one organization that does one thing and everybody agreeing on everything. You have an opportunity and a possibility for a, a multitude of, um, of, of action, of wisdom, of culture, and of uh, a movement for social change happening. And when you have that, then you don't, uh, then it's, you're more flexible, um, you can't, you know, there's no, um, you know, assassinating a leader. There's no, you know, it's all of us together and we all become the leaders that we've been waiting for. Is, is decentralized, um, is that the same thing or, or could you, be, it, you replace that with grassroots? Is that, do you know, is that kind of the same thing? Yeah, you know, I mean, there's a lot of different, th you know, those phrases, grassroots. Yeah, that's the right? term I've, I've often heard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there's, there's um, all of those different phrases come from different communities, right? right. Uh, come from different ways of, of looking at it. Um, you know, grassroots kind of, you know, that kind of e very ecological kind of way of looking at it. Um, uh, it kind of talks about, you know, kind of growing and starting from a, a way up that, that really um, is a very grounded way to think about it. Decentralized can kind of be a little bit more dynamic way to think about it so that there's a lot more movement, maybe a little bit more of a power, you know, kind of um, analysis around it. So those are all good, all good terms, I think. I think in 2016, it feels kind of like a, a crowdsourcing of people kind of coming together. That's it's, a good it's, word. It's that a, is a good word. You know, it's just, it's not so much like a, a centralized organization or a centralized idea. It is decentralized for sure, but it feels more like a crowdsourcing of ideas and emotions and kind of a, a catharsis of people coming together like that. Right. A collective collective yeah i think that'd be a, probably a good word for it yeah. all good words yeah, yeah. <laughs> and all have you know different dynamics different you know implications around them right sure yeah. I, I i really like what um chris is like t talking about a lot of different things there and and, I, and um one of the things though that i kind of feel and it's sort of that respect for the experiences and stuff or identifying experiences as being valid and real but i'm also thought of like um because i'm in a union i'm a union steward and stuff and i kind of think back um, you know, the labor movement, and I think of Utah Phillips and stuff, and we talk, so she's talking about, like, it seems to me like talking about the history of these things, 
And, and he had talked about what we call the long memory. And it's sort of giving honor to where we came from. And I think that's really important to, um, to understand like what, where queer came from and what that means to us and what that meant as far, you know, like radical trans women, you know, and their sort of political action. And then, you know, maybe you have um, being Hispanic, you know, looking back at Cesar Chavez and like understanding the sort of the movement, you know, in um, the, um, the, the field the field workers and stuff um, the farm workers or whatever at that point in time and like and kind of putting those things all in their place and then bringing it forward and then how we respond now and how we make those linkages I think is really important LB I love I love that that term long memory yeah that that is that is so important through a, you know the way I see it is through a, a generational um, you know venue um, it's I I, I feel that it's so important to make sure that the generation, you know, after us um, know about w- what the struggle has been like, who has, you know, who has, has given their blood, sweat, and tears. And, and history books, if you want to use that term, have a way of just kind of erasing that or kind of forgetting about it. Of yeah, who, right, who, yeah. Who... The, the, the conquerors make the history, as it were. Exactly. Word, I know? was thinking, who tells the story? <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah, the, yeah. You know, right. I'm all Hamilton these days, so, you know, <laughs> who lives, who dies, who tells your story, you know? And um, uh, uh, a, a big piece of that is that um, the, there are, we are all affected by these issues, violence, uh, violence in all its forms, basically, whether it's violence against the environment, against our gender, against our identity, you know, race. Um, and so it is uh, important for um, uh, wherever we stand, whether wherever I stand as, you know, a cisgendered woman who's queer, uh, where LB stands as a transgender woman, you know, who's Latina, um, wherever we stand, um, there's, there's, there are two sets of responsibilities and two sets of things that are really important. The first one is that I know where I stand and I lead and I, from that space. And in turn, I know where I stand and I follow from that space, right? I'm not a transgender woman, I'm a cisgendered woman. So when it comes to transgender issue, I need to follow the lead of LB. Right um, or Latina or you know and as a queer woman you know I you know I, it's, it's upon me to lead and it's also upon me to follow the Black Lives Matter movement when it comes to race issues and so when we do that when we have that basic foundation of knowing where each of us stands and that takes clarity and that's what the um, the the um, the queer talk does is it gives us that chance to become more clear about our own space, our own internal space, and our own interpersonal space together. When we have that, we're a power that can we, you know can't be defeated. Well said, and um, we've got each other's backs. And exactly. Right now, that is so important, and it's going to become more and more important. Um, I, I saw recently a posting um, about, and you've, I'm sure you've seen this on social media, about um, violence and what to do when you encounter. Because on a daily basis now, we are, in, we are hearing stories and experiencing these situations in our own community of, um, of discrimination, of, um, of being attacked, you know, attacked verbally, attacked physically, 
this is happening now. And, and from from interpersonal intimate violence, which is what we're you know what Middleway House brings forth, um, to community violence, to state violence, you know, uh, it's 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 from all sides, right? Yeah. It could be potentially from all sides, sure. and it's potential that that's all we see, right? We we need to also see that we're standing together, but. But you're right. It's it's and and so knowing part of knowing how to respond is having that clarity of mm-hmm. having that grounding in in our space. So that um, you know, there's the one the response. One of the things that domestic violence um, uh, advocates and folks who teach us about uh, domestic violence, especially from the harm reduction model that Middleway House uses, um, uh, is that um, any person. Uh, in their situation is the person who's the primary expert of their situation. One of the things that Middleway House and and, uh, Indiana Recovery Alliance and other harm reduction organizations use um, is that um, in order to be able to respond, um, what we think somebody else needs to do is not necessarily the case. Um, A woman deciding or a man deciding that they need to leave a domestic violence situation or not, right? So many, uh, some of the assumptions that we bring to that is like, well, you know, the job is to help everybody leave. Well, that's not necessarily the, 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 the most wise choice. Um, in that, in that um, sometimes a person who's a perpetrator becomes the most violent when someone tries to leave, for instance. Um, and when I worked in Atlanta, I was with um, a number of organizations. There was a Latino organization. And um, so many of the, the organizations said, okay, well, the first things that need to happen is this in this very gendered space, uh, the man needs to leave and the woman needs to stay. And well, no matter whether he's the bread earner, you know, it doesn't take any of that into account. She didn't get the choice. The 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 um, the courts made those decisions for her. There was a Latino um, organization that that instead of having like the men's organization over here and the women's organization over there, they came together all on Wednesday night men, women, children, and they were all in the same spaces. Now they went to their different rooms, but it honored that culture of the centrality of the family. And, it, and that the only solution wasn't, there wasn't just one solution, there was a multitude of solutions. That makes sense, LB. Yeah, no, I was just gonna say, I think that obviously sort of um, honors, you know, cultural sensitivity, but I think too, there's kind of the larger, we talk about grassroots and then we talk about community organizing and we talk about decentralized um, networks, I guess. Um, and you know, and then we compare that to the top-down hierarchical type style or whatever. And I'm, I'm like in a, in a policy and program class or whatever. And oftentimes I think that some of the government type, or I shouldn't say government, but things that are sort of don't honor experiences or what people are going through and don't like take the time to be sensitive to that, they get lost and like they're, they're you know like how can we make this program more um, economical? You know how can we make get the most money from or the most bang for our month or for our dollar? How do we get these tax dollars to you know give us the best product or whatever? And I think it really kind of sort of removes the sort of the the, the people from the program. And I think that with what what Chris is talking about that you know where you're actually understanding what or seeking to understand being empathetic to what people's needs are and listening to them and like understanding what it means to be an ally oftentimes you know people want to use their privilege and say well i'm an ally i'm an ally and they are like sort of stepping to the front and they're not really listening to the needs and the experiences of the people that they're trying to be an ally to and it's really because i've been there like i've said things and i had to really step back and say you know what let me listen 
t- tell me what you need from me and let me be supportive <coughs> in that way. Um, and it's really hard because we're, we get so, people get so affronted when they get kind of confronted that way. And it's, and you know, but you, to really truly be an ally, you really have to kind of understand that, I think. Yeah, the, the, the empathy is is so important i'll be you 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 touch you're touching on that and i mean that's where it all that's where it all starts because like you said and chris if you if you if you go down the wrong road you're not really helping the situation you know take the wrong path you know you don't understand where the person's coming from or or what their needs actually are um then that it 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 doesn't help them. Right. And so then when, when things get tough down the road, we don't have that trust and that strength and that mm-hmm. bond between us. So that when they, um, you know, when there are attempts to, you know, divide us, mm-hmm. then, then it, those, those are more likely to work when we haven't um, really stopped to listen to each other. Well, listening to each other is what it sounds like queer talk is all about. Okay. And I can't think of a more um, important, um, necessary thing to, to be happening. It, this needs to, I, I hope people hear this and, um, try to make sure that all of their, their own community has a queer talk. I, I hope that, um, now more than ever, really, I think it's, it's important. Um, I mean, we're really, we're kind of all in this together now for, you know, not just, not just for the next few months, but I mean, we all have to kind of understand that we have to kind of stay together with this and I think that it, it, it is very important to understand that there are people that are trying to to keep their community going and, and keep this going so it's it's very important yeah and that what what affects uh, one affects all right Absolutely. That, that, that that we know with this this evening we haven't talked much about for instance the environmental movement right, right. or stone mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, the the camp you know mm-hmm. um, the, the the what affects them affects us right. and so um, and so standing united makes all the difference mm-hmm. oh, yeah for sure well um, again uh, Chris would you um, tell us again um, all about queer talk anyone that needs to come to this this safe space this this community um, gathering where you can talk and be heard Tell us about where where, sure. queer, where they can find Queer Talk. So you really the best way to do it is to go to Facebook and just type in Queer Talk. And whether you type it one word or two words, you'll find us. And um, the biggest thing that's most prominent right now is the next event, which is on um, Saturday, November 19th at 3 o'clock at Boxcar. And in particular, I mean, they all um, are intersectional, but this one in particular is about the violence that affects all of us and how the violence um, is across our different organ, our different communities, and and across uh, from different directions. So it's it's um, not this coming Saturday, the following Saturday, Saturday. Saturday the nineteenth. The nineteenth. What time? Three o'clock. Three o'clock. Three box car And then after that, um, uh, every the first Wednesday of every month, six thirty at the library. Excellent. Uh, every week. Do you have a specific room number? It's usually in one C. One C. Okay. Yeah. When, when you walk into the library, there never fails to be someone that is happy to point you out to where you're, <laughs> you need to go, I've, I've noticed. Yeah, we, foc- we focused on trying to get room 1C, yeah, right. the one downstairs, yeah. 1C. Uh, awesome. Well, thank you both so much, Chris and, and LB, for, yeah, thank you. for coming on tonight. And um, I invite you back. I'd love to continue the conversation mm-hmm. as it mm-hmm. needs yeah, to be sure. continued. Uh, I, one more plug. Um, sure. It looks like there's going to be um, some uh, 
community-based uh, demonstrations in this next week, um, sun Sunday at three o'clock. We need to know so at about sample those. gates. Sunday three o'clock sample gates. Sunday. I don't. I don't know much more about it than that. But show up. But and, but yeah. just be there. Really. There there might be yeah. some. If you hit the Facebook site, right. you'll you'll see some postings. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks again. Um, Thank you. We look forward to talking with you next time. Okay. Thank you so much, guys. It's now time for our next music break this evening. Coming to you from HuffPo Queer Voices, audiences may recognize Goss from his cover of Dusty Springfield classic, Son of a Preacher Man. He reimagined the song as a somber ballad about two gay teens, one of whom happens to be the son of an anti-gay evangelical preacher who fall in love. Although more than temporary doesn't lyrically reference a same-sex relationship, Goss says the song is just as personal. For this song in particular, I'm trying to challenge the way in which we see the generations that have come before us, he said. As a gay man, I would have I would have none of the rights that I take for granted had it not been for thousands of thousands of men and women that came before me. I want to do something to honor these people. Citing Dave Matthews, David Gray, and Seal as artistic influences, Goss said he absolutely feels a responsibility to tackle queer themes in his musical output. The entertainment industry as a whole has ignored queer themes and stories, he said. That's only now beginning to change. It is my responsibility to work to transcend those boundaries to tell those stories as accurately and authentically as possibly as I possibly can. For tonight's second music break this evening, we have artist Tom Goss with his song, More Than Temporary. Oh 
Blooming Out and WFHB comes from the back door. Downtown Bloomington's queerest bar, dance club, and venue. From live bands and DJs to drag shows and karaoke, there is something for everyone every day of the week. The back door is located at 207 South College in the alley behind Atlas Bar, and more information can be found on Facebook or online at bckdoor.com. And now it's time for our weekly LGBTQ news roundup. Blooming Out volunteer Catherine De La Rosa takes us through what Tuesday's election results mean for the next four years in queer America. This Tuesday, Americans elected Republican presidential nominee Donald Trump as the 45th president of the United States. His inauguration is set for January 20th, 2017. Now it's time for America to bind the wounds of division. We have to get together. To all Republicans and Democrats and independents across this nation, I say it is time for us to come together as one united people. It's time. I pledge to every citizen of our land that I will be president for all Americans, and this is so important to me. In Congress, elections gave the Republican Party the majority in both the Senate and the House of Representatives. With Trump and Pence in the executive, Republicans now control two-thirds of the federal government. The Republican Party's platform, as adopted this summer at the GOP National Convention, contains some extremely anti-LGBT proposals. It includes a section titled Defending Marriage Against an Activist Judiciary, which condemns the Supreme Court's decision in Obergefell v. Hodges, which is the case that legalized same-sex marriage nationwide. would misunderstand petitioners to say that they disrespect or diminish the idea of marriage in these cases. They're pleased that they do respect it. They respect it so deeply they seek to find its fulfillment for themselves. They ask for equal dignity in the eyes of the law, and the Constitution grants them that right. For these reasons, and others set out in the opinion, the judgment of the United States Court of Appeals for the Sixth Circuit is reversed. The Chief Justice has filed a dissenting opinion in which Justice Scalia... The GOP platform says that heterosexual marriage is, quote, the foundation for a free society and has for millennia been entrusted with rearing children and instilling cultural values. 
A number of proposals recently introduced in Congress are now in majority Republican hands, such as various acts hoping to protect or defend marriage and family. One of these proposals is a standby of Republican policy, most recently reintroduced by Ted Cruz. It's a resolution to add an amendment to the Constitution defining marriage as only being between a man and a woman. As for the Supreme Court, currently sitting justices like Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Stephen Breyer are being eyed for retirement. Even without the current crisis of the Senate's refusal to consider President Obama's nominee Merrick Garland, it's entirely possible that Trump will have to fill at least one seat. In a January interview with Chris Wallace on Fox News Sunday, Trump criticized the Supreme Court's Obergefell decision. Uh, they have ruled on it. I wish that it was done by the state. I don't like the way they ruled. I disagree with the Supreme Court from the standpoint they should have given the state, should be a state's rights issue. And that's the way it should have been ruled on, Chris, not the way they did it. This was a very surprising ruling. Uh, I would have much preferred that they ruled at a state level and allowed the states to make those rulings themselves. But, but just to button this up very quickly, sir, are you saying that if you become president, you might try to appoint justices to overrule the decision on same-sex marriage? I would strongly consider that, yes. When Wallace again asked him about the Supreme Court at the final presidential debate, Trump affirmed his and the Republican Party's persistent promise, this time regarding Roe v. Wade. Do you want to see the court overturn Roe v. Wade? Well, if we put another two or perhaps three justices on, that's really what's going to be, that will happen. And that'll happen automatically, in my opinion, because I am putting pro-life justices on the court. The Republican Party platform specifically states an intention to load the court with conservative judges who would, quote, enable the courts to begin to reverse the long line of activist decisions, including Roe, Obergefell, and the Obamacare cases that have usurped the state's lawmaking authority. Trump's most recent statement on transgender rights was in a July 2016 interview with the Raleigh News and Observer in North Carolina. North Carolina has been in the news a lot lately for House Bill 2, which is the law that says if you're a transgender person, you have to use the bathroom that corresponds to your birth certificate. Is it a law you support, or do you feel like the state should have made well, some I'm changes going, to it? I'm going with the state. I mean, the state is, uh, you know, they know what's going on. They see what's happening. And generally speaking, I'm with the state on things like this. And uh, I've spoken to your governor. I've spoken to a lot of different people. And I'm going with the state. North Carolina is also... And of course, here in Indiana, we are familiar with Vice President-elect Mike Pence's opinion on LGBT rights. You may recall Indiana made national headlines last summer thanks to the Indiana Religious Freedom and Restoration Act. The Religious Freedom Restoration Act at the federal level and all the states now, including Indiana, who have it, are simply about addressing that. This is not about discrimination. This is about empowering people to confront government overreach, George. On it because your supporters say it would. And so, so yes or no? If a florist in Indiana refuses to serve a gay couple uh, at their wedding, is that legal now in Indiana? George, this is this is where this debate has gone with with misinformation and uh, frankly, it's just a question, sir. Yes so, or no? Well, well, this, there's been shameless rhetoric about my state and about this law and about its intention all over the internet. People are trying to make it about one particular issue. Back in 2001, when running for Congress, Pence stated in his campaign platform that federal dollars used to fund the Ryan White HIV AIDS program should, quote, be directed towards those institutions which provide assistance to those seeking to change their sexual behavior, end quote. In other words, he said the federal government should fund conversion therapy. In this year's State of the State address, Pence said, I think there's two things that we can all agree on. First, 
Hoosiers don't tolerate discrimination against anybody. And Hoosiers cherish faith and the freedoms enshrined in our Constitution. And I believe that no one should be harassed or mistreated because of who they are, who they love, or what they believe. We're a state with a Constitution. Our Constitution not only protects the right to worship God according to the dictates of our consciences, but it also says, and I quote, no law shall in any case control the free exercise and enjoyment of religious opinions, nor interfere with the rights of conscience. Our Supreme Court has actually made it clear that our state constitution protects both belief and practice. I will not support any bill that diminishes the religious freedom of Hoosiers or interferes with the constitutional rights of our citizens to live out their beliefs in worship, service, or work. Given the positions of the Republican Party and our president and vice president-elect, the next four years could spell major change for LGBTQ Americans. For Blooming Out on WFHB, I'm Catherine De La Rosa. Thank you, Catherine. Now it's time for our final music break of the evening. From attitude.co.uk, chances are, if you don't know who um, Betty Who is and her music yet, you'll have heard the name and certainly her voice from her infectious gay proposal soundtracking debut single, Somebody Loves You, to her collaboration with Attitude favorite Troy Savon on a song about coming out. Over the last couple of years, Betty cemented her status as one of the LGBT community's greatest pop gals. Following the success of 2014's debut album, Take Me When You Go, Betty's been working hard on the eagerly anticipated follow-up and recently returned to applicate bringing fans desperate for new material with a sparkling reimagining of Donna Lewis's classic 90s anthem, I Love You, Always Forever. So here's Betty Who with I Love You, Always Forever. In a deep cloud of heavenly sand Touching Discovering you Words. I 
love you always forever near and far closer together everywhere i will be with you everything i will do for you i love you always forever near and far closer together everywhere i will be with you everything i will do for you you've got the most unbelievable blue eyes i've ever seen WFHB, that was Betty Who with I Love You Always and Forever. So we're going to leave you tonight with this. Some of you may be wondering why people who have continuously fought for their rights over the past century may be heartbroken over this election. I know I've been asked that question, and I've seen it posted um, numerous times. In a heartfelt Facebook post, John Polovitz summarizes exactly how many of us feel this week. Here's his post. I don't think you understand us right now. I think you think this is about politics. I think you believe this is all just sour grapes, the crocodile tears of the losing locker room with the scoreboard going against us at the buzzer. I can only tell you that you're wrong. This is not about losing an election. This isn't about not winning a contest. This is about two very different ways of seeing the world. Hillary supporters believe in a diverse America, one where religion or skin color or sexual orientation or place of birth aren't liabilities or deficiencies or moral defects. Her campaign was one of inclusion and connection and interdependency. It was about building bridges and breaking ceilings. It was about going high. Trump supporters believe in a very selective America, one that is largely white and straight and Christian, and the voting verified this. Donald Trump has never made any assertions otherwise. He ran a campaign of fear and inclusion, exclusion, and isolation. And that's the vision of the world those who voted for him have endorsed. They've aligned with the wall builder and the professed blank grabber, and they have co-signed this body of work regardless of the reasons they give for their vote. Every horrible thing Donald Trump ever said about women or Muslims or people of color has now been validated, 
every profanity-laced press conference and every call to bullying protests and every ignorant diatribe has been endorsed. Every piece of anti-LGBTQ legislation Mike Pence has championed has been signed off on. Half of our country has declared that these things are acceptable, noble, American. This is the disconnect and the source of our grief today. It isn't a political defeat that we're lamenting. It's a defeat of humanity. We're not angry that our candidate lost. We are angry because our candidates losing means this country will be less safe, less kind, and less available to a huge segment of its population, and that's just the truth. Those who have always felt vulnerable are now left more so. Those whose voices have been silenced will be further quieted. Those who always felt marginalized will be pushed further. Those who feared they have been seen as inferior now have confirmation in actual percentages. Those things have essentially been campaign promises of Donald Trump, and so many of our fellow citizens have said this, and that's what they want as well. This has never been about politics. This is not about one candidate over another. It's not about one's ideas over another. It's not blue versus red. It's not her emails versus his bad language. It's not her dishonesty versus his indecency. It's about overt racism and hostility toward minorities. It's about religion being weaponized. It's about crassness and vulgarity and disregard for women. It's about a barricade, militarized, bully nation. It's about an unapologetic, open-faced ugliness. It's not that any of these things have been ratified by our nation that grieve us. All this hatred, fear, racism, bigotry, and intolerance. It's knowing that these things have been amended by our neighbors, our families, our friends, those who work with and worship alongside us. That is the most horrific thing of all. We now know how close this is. It feels like living in enemy territory being here now, and there's no way around that. We wake up today in a home we no longer recognize. We are grieving the loss of a place we used to love, but no longer do. This may be America today, but it's not the America we believe in or recognize or want. This is not about a difference of political opinion as that's far too small to mourn over. It's about a fundamental difference about how we view the worth of all people, not just those who look or talk or think or vote the way we do. Grief always laments what might have been, the future we were robbed of, the tomorrow that we won't get to see, and that is what we walk through today. As a nation, we had an opportunity to affirm the beauty of our diversity to choose ideas over sound bites, to let everyone know they had a place at the table, to be the beacon of goodness and decency we imagined that we are, and we said no. The scriptures say that weeping endures for a night, but joy comes in the morning. We can't see that dawn coming anytime soon. And this is why we grieve. Thank you, JP. That's all we have for you this evening. Uh, thank you for tuning in tonight. Uh, if you are interested in volunteering here at WFHB or for our show, contact volunteer at WFHB.org. You can also call us at 
1200. Tweet us at Blooming Out WFHB. Visit our Blooming Out Facebook page or find us on Instagram. Uh, uh, some credits here. Uh, the executive producer of Blooming Out is Joe Crawford. The producer is Ryan Shaddy. The associate producer and board engineer is myself, Sarah Hetrick. And today's news was recorded by our volunteer, Catherine De La Rosa. And our theme is, is an original composition produced for Blooming Out by Aaron Gage. For Blooming Out, Jeff Poling, I'm Sarah Hetrick. Please tune in again next Thursday at 6 o'clock p.m. or visit us online at bloomingout.com. Thank you for joining us on Blooming Out. Be sure to find us online for past episodes, behind-the-scenes exclusives, and more at bloomingout.com. And don't forget to tune in every Thursday at 6 p.m. for Blooming Out on WFHB.